You're listening to the One Two Three Show with me, Noreen Mayer, this Friday afternoon. Let's turn to our next topic of today. We've got the Agenda Cafe, and I'd like to welcome back to the studio Karen Co. Karen, how are you doing? I'm great, Noreen. How are you doing? Yes, I'm good, thank you. We have a big topic today. Yes, today we're talking about um, the dreaded D word, divorce. Um, so. Just like marriage, you know, there's both a legal and cultural aspect to divorce. And so we're going to try and talk about both in our program today, talking about legally, you know, what is it, what what do you have to go through if you're going to get a divorce in Hong Kong? And then moving beyond that, um, co-parenting, you know, if there are kids involved, how do you, after divorce, um, manage that process and try both parties to be good parents to to your kids. So we're delighted to be joined uh, now by Janice Chin, who's a family lawyer in Hong Kong. She's going to really talk, walk us through the legal aspects of divorce. So Janice, thanks for coming uh, on the program. Thank you very much, Karen. So Janice, first tell us a bit about you. How long have you been practicing family law in Hong Kong and what is it like? I've been practicing family law full time for over 14 years. Um, prior to that, I have been practicing in Hong Kong, but in other areas, and I moved to family law later on in my career. Mm, and why the move to family law? I think it was about time I did something different, um, possibly midlife crisis, <laughs> if you like. <laughs> so you have clients who are both um, local and expat in Hong Kong, and we, you know, we hear stories, either we have friends or maybe relatives who are going through a divorce. And these days we're also hearing in the news, n- not necessarily in Hong Kong, but in other countries, that half of marriages end in divorce in some places. So in Hong Kong, what are the numbers like? I mean, what do they actually tell us about what's going on in Hong Kong? In, in Hong Kong, um, divorce is on the rise. Um, I can share with you some statistics. I, in Hong Kong... We are nowhere near 50% of, of, of the divorce rate as we see in Western countries. Mm. So, for example, in 2017 in Hong Kong, there were 23,634 applications filed in the family court. And, and of these 17,000-odd were divorce cases, there were 6,000-odd which are joint applications for divorce, and then there are some ancillary um, applications. In 2018, the level was similar. In 2019, also similar. So we can see that divorce is generally on the rise in Hong Kong. Mm. Um, And so the trend is that it is on the rise. Does that mean that it's, you know, more socially acceptable to get divorced? Well, I think in Hong Kong, because we're quite unique here, we have both um, a very local community and we also have an expatriate community. So with the expat community, I think the concept of divorce is, is very common. Um, and amongst the local community, I suppose you can also see that trend as people become more exposed to a Western style of education and divorce becoming more acceptable. Okay. Mm. Let's talk a little bit more about the process of getting divorced. We often hear the process is quite long. Uh, is that necessarily the case? Uh, if both people want to get a divorce, um, but with children, will it complicate things? Let's talk about the process. The process itself um, is not quick. It's not particularly mm. quick. Even if you um, everything is consensual, it can take a minimum of between four to six months. 
to complete the entire process. That's from the beginning of the time that you lodge an application up until the time that the divorce is finalised. And that's if both parties both want yes, a divorce. This is, right. this is everything that's consensual. If there is no consensus and if parties are fighting, then it can take a very, very long time. Yeah. And it's difficult to gauge because divorce itself, the concept of divorce, is not only the divorce between the parties, then you need to deal with the children and then finances. And the court will deal with matters in that order. Okay, so children so, first. Yes, right. so so there are three parts to divorces, the divorce itself, then children, then finances. So the divorce application, it's very, very rare in Hong Kong that there would be a challenge as to the divorce itself. Yeah. Okay. okay. Let's talk about some of the grounds of divorce because these are reasons why people may may seek a divorce. And, you know, are there certain grounds which, which are faster than others, which will, will expedite the process? There's, there's one, there's a, in, in legal terms, there's only one ground, and that is irreconcilable differences. But ah, we can, often see yes, celebrities right. quoting see, that. Yes. But there are different facts that you can rely on. There are five in Hong Kong. There are two of which are no-fault basis, and that is either one-year separation by consent. So both parties would need to consent to the divorce. If there's no consensus, you can use two-year separation. Um, then there are the more the fault basis. There is adultery, mm-hmm. unreasonable behaviour, and then desertion. Yeah. Okay. What, what's unreasonable behaviour? What, what's well, the range of unreasonable behaviour? There is behaviors? unreasonable behaviour. Because he doesn't <laughs> pick up his toilet seat, you know? <laughs> yes, you can. There's a whole host of reasons you can you can... You can say very bad things about one party, um, or you can make the particulars very mild. So nowadays the trend is to is to have more mild particulars, because at the end of the day, it, the reason for the divorce does not affect, generally speaking, matters in relation to children, nor does it affect finances. Right. Yes. So the court doesn't really need to know all, no. all the things that went on <laughs> yeah. to make a decision. No, the court, mm. the court does not. And if, for example, a party was to file a divorce petition that is rather inflammatory and then the other side objects, then the court will generally try to allow a kind of calling down period to let the parties try to resolve the issue about the divorce and then move on and deal with children and then with yeah. finances. With something like adultery, um, say a, a party accuses the, the, her spouse um, of adultery and then the spouse denies it, how do you prove it? Well, there are very few adultery petitions filed these days. Oh, in really? court. So if you're going to file an adultery petition, then you need to serve not only the respondent who was your spouse, but also the third party. Wow. Oh. The adulteress. <laughs> the adulteress or the adulterer. Adulterer. Right. Yeah. Or if you're not going to serve them, then you would you would have your spouse sign a confession statement. So that must almost never happen. Very rarely. Very, very rarely. Because could it uh, work against uh, them if they say, right, I, I confess to it? Um, would that affect the chances of them having custody of the children, for example? Well, um, no, it doesn't. Oh, it, doesn't. Doesn't. Oh, it doesn't affect. Okay. It doesn't. The reason for the breakdown of the marriage does not affect. Okay. Um, children or financial. Mm. Matters. Because, like you said, there are three parts to the divorce: the yes. divorce, the children, and then the finances. Correct. Okay. Correct. That that and, and then if you think about it, adultery is 
quite common. Yeah. So <laughs> with, with, I mean, sorry, why, and there are, it's a lot more accepted these days. That right. One of the reasons why your marriage might break down is because of a third party. Okay. Is it quite common amongst um, your clients or the people that you see? It is, a, it is a common reason for the breakdown of a marriage. Yes. Mm. So even if that is the reason, they may still just end up filing for ir- irreconcilable differences because there's no point trying to, to go down the adultery route. Yeah. Correct. Correct. Mm. Yeah. yeah. That's interesting. Um, so then in terms of custody of children, this is always a huge thing. Um, of course, there's been tons of Hollywood movies <laughs> focused on this kind of topic. What what usually happens? I mean, how, how does a, a court make a decision if the parents themselves can't agree on how to do this? I, I think any matters regarding children um, is obviously highly emotional. So when the parties come to court and there is an issue regarding children, then there is a process um, called children dispute resolution and where parties complete forms setting out their proposals in relation to the children. Um, where there is a dispute, the court will also ask for a social welfare report. And that report, um, or the social welfare officer, will be the eyes and ears of the court to ascertain um, the relationship between the parties and the children and the home environments and, and make appropriate recommendations. I've heard in Hong Kong um, the courts are quite favourable for the mother to have the custody. Uh, is that quite common for, for mothers to have a sort of primary um, yeah, primary custody of the children? Um, I think each case is different and, and it just depends on the, on the facts of the case. Um, in, in a traditional home setting, I suppose, where the husband is the breadwinner and or, or, the, or the spouse or the wife is the breadwinner and they are not at home to care for the children, then that dynamic also comes into play in mm. terms of um, the recommendations that the social welfare officer might make or the court might make as to um, the care arrangements for the children. But having said that... Um, it is also common, or, um, and there is a trend towards having a more kind of shared care arrangement. Mm. I think. Yeah. I, I mean, it must be kind of unique in Hong Kong because you may have both parents working, and the children, you know, because we can have domestic help. The children are really looked after by well, helpers. Well, that's right. That's the helpers right. get the custody. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So you, you do see situations where both parents are working, and the children will. Um, spend time in both, both in both homes, homes in both homes because under divorce the children will have two homes. Generally, they have a home with mum and a home with dad. Mm. And those two homes should be equal, right? They should be more more or less equal. Um, which also is another factor in divorce when you because it touches upon finances. Because in Hong Kong, we all know that the cost of living here is very high, and although it is ideal to maintain the standard of living for the children and and for for the ex-spouse. It's not always um, realistic. Yeah, it's not always possible. Yeah. Because one income, if it's a one-income ho- household, and depending on that level of income, that income has to support two households. Yeah. 
What, what about situations which, you know, we do see a lot of in Hong Kong, um, say one spouse comes to Hong Kong from overseas for a job and the other spouse is a trailing spouse. So they, you know, accompany their husband or wife. They have kids here. They get divorced and the trailing spouse who may, you know, quite often is not working, wants to go back to the home country with the kids. Yes, I mean, those situations are highly, highly emotional. Um, and the the court would try with the assistance of um, the social welfare report and possibly with also international social welfare reports, um, which would need to be obtained to look at the proposals that would be made by the spouse that wishes to leave Hong Kong um, as to what is in the best interests of the children. Because in a, in a divorce, the court when dealing with children, will always take into account the best interests of the children mm. in any arrangement that is made. So that would seem, seem to be that the, the kids should stay where both parents are, right? But it's not always it's, possible. Mm, <laughs> right. yeah. Or sometimes yeah. they don't stay with it. Sometimes maybe it's not the trailing spouse who wants to bring them back. Sometimes maybe it's the breadwinning maybe, spouse yeah. who's, you know, perhaps... You know, dad's job, you know, has has another offer in Europe, so he has to bring the kids to Europe. And then the trailing spouse, the, in the case, the wife, who may not have been working in Hong Kong, may then need to try and get to Europe then. Uh, quite possibly, quite mm -hmm. possibly. That that would probably be more unusual yeah. Yeah. to see that situation. You just mentioned finances there. What what do um what's I mean if, if there is a norm, what what's the norm for what we know as maintenance or, or alimony? I mean this has always been a big thing in celebrity <laughs> marriages where you know a the, settlement. Exactly, yeah. yes. In Hong Kong in Hong Kong we follow the English law. So so the starting point on a division of um, division of property, division of assets is 50-50, and that's your starting point. And then you would look at various circumstances that the court would take into account as to why it might move away from that needle. 50-50 from the point of their marriage or including things that perhaps people have acquired before the marriage? <laughs> that's a very big question. <laughs> so, so you would take everything into account and then you would say point or give reasons as to why certain assets or should be excluded for example if it's um, inheritance um, a premarital asset yeah. but all sorts of reasons and it also depends on the length of the marriage it also depends on the size of the of the family part yeah. and whether or not um, there's enough for what we call a clean break which is ideally if parties are young um, then they would wish to, in some cases, see if they could achieve what we call a financial clean break to sever the financial ties so that the paying spouse would not be paying maintenance for a lifetime. Oh, okay. Mm. So you offset it. You know, you can have this and that, but there I are won't be. Yes, yeah. as, as I said, there, there are no future obligation, that kind of thing? Yes, no. but, but there are a number of circumstances that the court will take into account, which yeah. is why it's it, there's no formula. It's not a formula. Oh, it's very much Absolutely. taking into account all the a raft of factors mm. that the, that is set out in legislation.
And anything is up for grabs. I mean, I've heard someone um, wanting half the air miles that oh, the spouse really? has. Air miles. <laughs> yeah. You know, think? It, you know, it becomes a bit of a commodity. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the whole process sounds um, pretty awful and pretty emotionally um, draining and, 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 and quite expensive. expensive. Can be yeah. expensive. Is, are there alternatives to going through the courts for couples who don't want to stay together? Um, there are. You can, once, once you start the process, if, if you're not able to reach agreement, then you would try to mediate. And the, and the court does encourage mediation. Yeah. What does mediation involve exactly? Mediation, you would, you would go and see an independent person who would be a trained mediator. So if, obviously... Of a legal a, background... Not necessarily of a legal background. Oh, okay. So so when you file for divorce, there is what we call a certificate as to mediation. So if if you both parties or one party indicates that he or she wishes to mediate, then you can attend the mediation office, um, which is in the uh, district court building. They give you um, a, a talk about what mediation involves. Then they can give you referrals as to mediators. The social welfare department um, also provides that service so for a very nominal fee mm. or you can go to a private mediator and so with this independent person he or she would assist the parties to try and reach an agreement okay as okay. to resolve their differences whether it might be children or, or finances and then that agreement can be the the legally binding yes agreement. and so if they reach an agreement then they would sign a mediation agreement and that would then we would um, formalize it by way of what we, uh, into a court order. Okay. And wh what proportion of um, breakups would opt for that as opposed to going through the court system? Most most parties do mediate either either independently, privately, or us during the court process. There is a process for mediation. I'd indicated before that in respect of children, you have what we call a children dispute resolution hearing. For finances, we have a financial dispute resolution hearing. And there are steps that need to be taken before, um, in respect of both routes, um, to have the documentation prepared so then the court can assist with mediation. Mm. That sounds like a far nicer way, <laughs> yes. to, you know, more a poetic way to end the marriage <laughs> right, right, rather yeah. than sort of gloves it off. And so, yeah. so there's always an opportunity to resolve matters. And in the end, if you can't resolve, then, then you would have to have the court determine whether or not it be children's matters or financial matters through a trial. Um. So if, for example, um, I've, I've indicated before, so if you're not able to resolve children matters, then, that, then the children matters would be resolved ahead, whether by way of children dispute resolution hearing, if not, then a trial. Mm. Then once you finish the children's trial, then you turn to finances. And a separate trial? And a separate trial. Wow. In a separate trial. And of course, there's a backlog of all these right. cases in the court, yeah. so, which is why divorces yeah. can take up can to take five so years. Well, it can yeah. take a long time if you're not able to reach an agreement. Yes. Um, so you mentioned before about financing all of this. So if you're a wealthy couple, and then obviously you would need to pay for your lawyers, and it's all part taken out of the, the um, matrimonial pot. Alternative, there's the alternative of legal aid. Mm -hmm. Parties can apply for legal aid. Um, it's means tested. Um, if you're granted legal aid, then then that's um, means that legal aid would 
take care of the legal costs in the first instance, but it's subject to what we call um, a legal aid first charge. Yeah. Janice, mm. going back to a point you mentioned just now, um, you know, if the money for the lawyer is taken out from the matrimonial pot, can one party sort of scurry away some money before the divorce? If, if they sense there's a divorce, you know, I'm putting money in my mum's account so that, right. you know, nobody will know about that amount of money. Can that then be traced back? Um, in, a, in, a, in a nutshell, yes. Yes, you can't hide. Can't we hide have, we, no, you cannot hide. You cannot People hide. People try, though, don't they? Uh, well, they, they might do, but you're supposed to give full and frank disclosure. So you're supposed to be open and provide all of your financial. Uh, um, so if they see a large sum has disappeared court. from your bank account, from your joint bank account, yeah. say five months before you file for divorce, that would look like a suspicious amount of money. Well, definitely one can ask questions about that and, and where is it money gone? What have you done with it? Yeah, okay. Mm. And what about, you know, I've had uh, stories from friends of mine of who one party after the divorce just doesn't want to let go and wants to keep re-raising issues, particularly about money. Um, say the other the other spouse gets a new job, and then her ex-husband wants to know how much exactly are you earning now? Because now I'm not going to pay for this, or I'm not going to pay for that. Is that quite common? That kind of thing. It yes, yes, it is not uncommon. It is not uncommon that. But but when you need when you want to come back and revisit matters in relation to finances, then you need to fulfill certain criteria, which we call, um, you know, a change of circumstances. Um, and this is when the divorce is already is final. final. Yes, yeah. And well, you can and revisit a divorce. Uh, well, n- not the divorce, the uh, financial aspect uh, of it. Finance. Say if, for example, there's ongoing maintenance, but it just depends. It depends on, on um, how finance is resolved the first time. The first around. time, mm. yes. Yeah. So that if you leave that door open, then you could find yes, you could if, yes. coming back to discuss it again. If there's again. no finality in, in that there's periodical, periodical payments to be made. Now I understand why people get prenups, but just before I let you go, Janice, <laughs> can prenups be disputed? Prenups are more and more common. So as long as they're properly drafted and you've met the requirements, there's no reason for the court not to take them into account. Mm-hmm. Is there much um, precedent for that now? I mean, they're relatively new, but they're relatively new, but they're becoming a lot more common. Yeah. Wow. Well, as, as food... a way parties can protect themselves. Yeah. Food yeah, for thought. Exactly. Yeah. So before you get married, <laughs> you better talk about what could happen if you get divorced. No. It, it, I mean, it is something I think people are a little bit more realistic about these days, you know, yeah. rather than just jumping into you know, the marriage and thinking we'll be happily ever after. Exactly. Right. right. Well, um, on this note, Janice, thank you so much for your time this afternoon. And I look forward to having you back on the program next time. Thank you very much. And we'll continue with the Agenda Cafe after the 2.30 news. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Welcome back. You're listening to the Agenda Cafe this Friday afternoon with me, Karen Coe and Noreen Mia on the 123 show. And today we're talking about divorce. Uh, n- not a pleasant topic, obviously, but something that a lot of people do go through and get through. So in the first half of the program, we were talking about the legal aspects of divorce in Hong Kong with family lawyer Janice Chin. Now we're going to move on to talk about co-parenting. And while a divorce may mean the end of a marriage, what 
doesn't stop is the need to take care of children and somehow work with your ex in the best interests of children. It's not always easy. It can lead to a lot of disagreements over everything from what activities kids should be doing to what time they should be going to bed. So how can divorced couples find a way to both be better parents? Well, joining us now are two guests who are trying to help others in Hong Kong figure this out. We're joined on the line by Circle Yen. Circle is a divorcee who published a book of stories about divorce and co-parenting. And she's also the founder of Two Nests. And Kiwi Chan, who produced a reader's theatre production centred on those stories of the families of divorced parents. And that production is called Two Nests Love from Both. So welcome uh, both of you to the program today. Hi. Thank you for having Hi. us. It's great to, yeah. to have you both on. Um, Circle, let me start off with you first. Can you first tell us your story about first your, your marriage and then your divorce? Uh, actually, seven years ago, uh, when I got divorced, and then uh, one day I remember that uh, I came back home and then my daughters asked me, uh, where is daddy? I miss him so much. Uh, can I see him? At that time, actually, I really don't know what to do. And there's not much uh, resources in Hong Kong to talk about uh, divorces. And um, actually, it's one day I pick up a book from a bookstore. Uh, it's, it was just called uh, Co-Parentive uh, Parenting and Divorce. Actually, I really don't know what is co-parenting at that time. But I, I tried to uh, uh, go through the book and then I discovered that, okay, there is a concept uh, after divorce and you can try to cooperate with your ex and to uh, take care of your child together. Mm. So Circle, when you were married, I know you were married a second time, but when you were married the first time and you started to have problems in your marriage, how did your family and friends react? Did they did they want you to stay in the marriage or what, what did they want you to do? Actually, at that time, uh, people um, and maybe some of my friends, they might say that, okay, Circle, uh, for the sake of the children, you need to stay in your marriage. Yeah, and and some 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 might have misunderstanding that uh, maybe uh, the foundation of the family happiness is about uh, staying together with the married couple. And 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 for me is uh, I I try to find another way out the third way maybe. <laughs> And I found that uh, it is, it is um, more 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 uh, difficult for for us to know co-parenting in the general public. And it is about uh, not uh, in a competition with the two adults, but uh, we try to see the two adults, uh, the two parents. They are on the same team to work together towards the same goal which is the winner is your kids. <laughs> yeah, so you're really focusing away from fighting with each other but but trying to help um, help your children. So who did you, you, yeah. you mentioned that you found a book. Apart from <laughs> a book, where else was there to go for help and advice? I mean, was there much help available in Hong Kong at that time? Uh, sorry? 
apart from the book that you read, was there much, um, were there other places or people that you could turn to for help at that time? Um, I guess I can help for these questions. Like, I think sure, like, for, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Um, there are actually a uh, couple's NGO who actually help uh, help her at that time. Like, um, for example, she joined some like kind of discussion circles or meeting others, others, uh, other friends who share the same experience, and or she actually have some consulting uh, service like um, as, uh, some other centers. So there's actually some centers who actually offering this kind of uh, service, like uh, kind of handling the divorce matters, like in Hong Kong. But the names I actually have to pass back to the circle, what's the names? Uh, actually, in 2019, uh, Hong Kong Social Welfare Department State uh, funded five specialized co-parenting uh, support centers which is a one-stop uh, child-focused co-parenting support services provided in uh, uh, for NGO in Hong Kong. Mm. So, of course, if you want to co-parent, it means that both parties have to cooperate, right? So how hard is it for to get both, you know, um, divorced parents to agree because this seems to be uh, quite a big issue sometimes that that you don't you can't agree or one person doesn't even want to talk to the other person yeah uh, actually in many cases um, uh, maybe from my personal experience is um, uh, most of the cases are high conflict and with different uh, high emotional problem maybe and uh, it is it is not a uh, very easy and direct way that okay uh, we sign an agreement and then we co-parent we start now no and many cases is uh, from uh, two side and then maybe it's in it's also involve uh, other extended family members like uh, their grandparents and so um, for. From for my from my story is, I tried to uh, change the mind for myself first. Uh, while uh, the co-parenting concept, uh, they 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 suggest you to um, focus on the parenthood, but not the marriage. The marriage that you are uh, uh, established with the the ex partner. We tried to uh, change the name first. You, uh, we will, we will not, we never called him or uh, her ex-partner, but we changed it into uh, team members, uh, teammates, and co-parents, or just like a co-worker, so that you can uh, limit, uh, um, you can limit the emotional uh, effect of the relationship. Yeah. What about, um, can you give us some sort of practical examples of, of some of the difficult moments? Um, like you said, sometimes, you know, you, you can maybe control your part of the co-parenting, but you can't control uh, his part of the co-parenting or even extended members. Um, so were there any sort of challenges that uh, you and your uh, co-partner, co-parent uh, encountered? 
uh, yeah, actually we we tried different uh, stage stages. Uh, yeah, it's not very easy from point A to point B, but uh, like um, when you are um, discussing the issue about your daughters, uh, you can work as a business model like and one time there is only pick up one issue to discuss then you can more more focused <laughs> and also secondly yeah, you talk about in the present and not talk about the past <laughs> that that's make you more focused <laughs> yeah yeah let's also bring kiwi uh, into the discussion as well kiwi welcome to the program and thank you very much for joining us this afternoon um before we talk about your production maybe let's talk about sort of attitudes in hong kong uh, to divorce uh what are some of uh, from your observation uh, what are some of the attitudes we're seeing still uh, towards a divorce um i guess now is actually people turn to be more open minded i mean towards divorce yes. and especially for the younger generations like uh people may actually take this like quite quick actions i mean like maybe in my old days like let's say take reference from my own parents or from uh, other some like maybe about 50 or 60 they actually take divorce more kind of more seriously or maybe they choose to stay together actually like but like with reference to to my own age generations like maybe 20s 30 something people used to actually choose divorce rather than stay together yes this is actually my observations yes right. <laughs> and do you think that it is still a stigma in hong kong um i mean in the first half of the program janice was saying that maybe for the westerners it's not so stigmatized but how about for very traditional chinese families i guess this is actually one of the factor um and nowadays like i guess in other issues about like uh, nowadays female or uh girls in hong kong is actually more independent independent like um girls they have more choice or at least we we have those working power and we can earn our own living so it's kind of like we have more choice when we face marriage so i guess that 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 also includes in the decision making like why sometimes they just go to like the force rather than stay together because i guess financial independence is more or less a issue Absolutely. I, I I agree. I think a lot of the times people in the past may have stayed married uh, because of that financial uh, dependence. Uh, my grandma yes. will, will always my mom's mom, my papa, will always say, yeah. "Oh, if I'm, you know, if I'm a modern woman of nowadays, I would have divorced your grandfather, you know." <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And, and she will always joke like that because she's saying, you know, because her options now would mean that she she would be able to to work in different places, maybe meet other people. She always <laughs> jokes, but um I think back in that that mindset was a traditional mindset, you know, you you had to stick with your husband because you chose to marry him and and part of it is a financial dependence. Yeah, you didn't have so much choice yes. a few generations ago. Yeah, you just had to stay home. Um circle just getting back to you. How do you, how do you and your co-parent um communicate with your daughter about what you're doing and and what's the impact been on her 
Uh, you mean the NGO, the no, Teen for, No, you, you and your, your co-parent, <laughs> your co-worker, how, communicating with your daughter. And, and what's the impact of the divorce been on your daughter, do you think? No. Okay. Um, let me just think of a second. Um, actually, um, at the very beginning, uh, when when my daughter's um, seeing me and her daddy, um, I have a very um, high conflict situation, and her uh, her teacher may uh, we uh, said that uh, she we re- re- rejected to learn in the kindergarten. But after uh, we tried to co-parents together and then we tried a different kind of uh, communication method. And then uh, now she she ha- more, more uh, happy and more willing to share her uh, story with uh, her, even with her uh, he, uh, school schoolmates, mm. and you, as we mentioned at the beginning, circle you publish the book of stories um, about divorce and co-parenting. Why did you do that? Um, yeah, actually, when I was just uh, receiving the, cons- uh, the counseling uh, service from the NGO, and then. I entered a group uh, with uh, different similar background women. Actually, we really can't remember what the counselor said, but actually I, I, I see a woman with a similar situation. She, she said to me, they can uh, let me see my three daughter, three years old daughter. And after that, I, I found that um, there is a need for us to uh, share the actually experience uh, and the true stories. That's why I tried to collect uh, those uh, stories and tried to create a book which called Two Nurses Love From Both. Mm. And Kiwi, we know that you um, helped Circle actually produce a Reader's Theatre production uh, around those stories. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, because um, actually when when I joined the team, it's actually they already published a book and they are organizing an event on the press release. So they're thinking like, uh, what what can we do actually outside of sharing the books? or maybe some other story, not actually including in the book, can be shared, or maybe by other means. So we think of like a reader, reader format, like um, reader theater format. So that's the first child we take it like uh, to share to the public in a more like a theatrical style. And then after the one year, like uh, we kind of trying to do this in different plays and NGOs. And we thought that we can take one step further. And then so we decided to, okay, okay, let us make it into a real production and more like with stage, with uh, lighting and all sorts of things. Because we all believe that like um, maybe people can read from the book and it can share the stories as well. But when you come to theatre, 
we actually share the moments together at the same time. And also, we, we're so looking forward to the feedback from the audience. So it's actually more like a um, exchange process. So um, so we just make it happen, mm. like, something like this. And, yeah. and what was the audience reaction like? It's actually because um, there's quite a lot of audience, they share a similar experience or even though if you don't have that kind of experience, but we all have families, like I mean, we all have our own family issues. So I guess for for me, like Trinet is not just about like co-parenting or divorce. It's more like how do we actually deal with relationship? So um, the audience are actually quite touched from the, maybe it's because the story are kind of real, not kind of, it's real. <laughs> and, and so it's actually, uh, the audience perceive, I would say quite well. And, and also like we actually included quite a lot of um, feedback sessions, like in other means, like we ask them to actually draw some things, we ask them to maybe write down a poem, so we can collect those back as the materials to further enhance the creations. Were people quite willing to share their own stories with you as part of the feedback? Um, I think um, because after like maybe an hour long uh, watching the performance, people started to open up a bit to mm -hmm. share. So this actually um, create quite good uh, atmosphere or vibe for the audience to share. And but it's not everyone can actually share like directly. So maybe some would actually write emails or was actually some would like write down. Maybe that is more comfortable for them to share. But I guess is. Um, I think like everyone, if they have chance or they they can't or they are capable to share, they they would want to share because um, maybe like we nowadays like we don't really have that um, space or that time to actually hear other stories. So I guess the um, the theater is a good means to do it. Mm. And yeah. What what kind of uh, I mean? Do you have plans for future projects, or is this something that you're going to continue to to either do again, or maybe get some new stories? Um, because now, like uh, this this production, we just compete in January, and the team is also actually planning to further enhance the thing. Um, we are actually planning to. To do some more exchange program or some school program because we think that this uh, project is really good to actually carry out in school and uh, no matter in secondary school or college or university because um we all know that like the when we talk about family it's not just about the parents it's all the time about the kids From and the children's the perspective children. yes. as well yes yes so it's actually really good for if we can actually bring the show to the community rather than we wait at the theater to ask the, ask the audience to come so we're actually changing more the uh, the way for delivering the show it's like we carry out more community projects 
that's a great idea and going to schools because a lot of the times we hear you know children are very sensitive and maybe sometimes they feel yes. that they, they are part of the reason of the divorce or if not part of the reason then they might feel like you know oh what's going to happen to me um, but at the same time children are also very uh, um, adaptive you know sometimes you think they're really sad but actually that uh, they actually get on with their lives business as usual so you just really never know how the children may respond uh, to the divorce um so circle i mean so after after yeah. the divorce but with the co-parenting uh, you've since uh, been remarried how how does having a, a sort of new partner uh, feature in all of this whole co-parenting dynamic then well actually we we are now co-parent uh, actually it's my new uh, partner uh co-parent with my ex-partner <laughs> <laughs> How did you make that happen? That's amazing. It's really good. It's, it's, so, really good. it's so amazing. <laughs> he did a great Both of them did a great job. Actually, we just um, um, uh, first, uh, running a group project. And then our group title, uh, our group homework is how to make our daughters have a happy and happy life. <laughs> Wow. Oh. So how did you how did you make that well maybe you didn't make it happen but how did that happen that your current husband does the co-parenting with your former husband? Uh, <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> uh, maybe maybe next show uh, you can invite him to tell the secrets. <laughs> That's a fantastic idea. Uh, remind our listeners, uh, once again, Circle and Kiwi, if we want to find out more about your work, uh, the book uh, that you published and also your production, is there a website or more information? Where can we go to? Oh, www.2nesterhk.com. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's fantastic. No, we'll share that on our Facebook pages too. Absolutely. Yes. Well, meanwhile, thank you so much uh, for your time uh, this afternoon. Thank you so much. It was such a wonderful sharing. Uh, thank you very much to Kiwi Chan, the producer of Two Nests, a community arts uh, project on co-parenting uh, based on the book, uh, which was published uh, by Circle Yoon. Um, and also many thanks to our guest earlier today, uh, family lawyer Janice Chin. Um, and also thank you very much to you, Karen Ko. Thank you, Noz. Our co-host uh, for the agenda.